0: since the dawn of time human beings have relied on communication as a survival tool from a simple call and response to complex uses of language there always has been a way of speaking to and hearing each other but even in our evolved state of humanity the act of listening then internalizing, which is ultimately followed by a certain level of learning in order to respond appropriately to a given situation, is still a challenge. It is in this episode of Because It's There that we relatively look at the idea of managing the feedback loop, an act where call and response requires us to be a bit more sophisticated and empathetic, even. And I have an ideal companion in Dr. Lulu Guagua to probe elements involved in managing the feedback loop. Dr. Lulu Guagua is an accomplished business leader, development planner, and philanthropist, among many other hats she wears. As an academic, she's a graduate of the University of Natal Planning School, where she completed her master's in town and regional planning. From there, Dr. Gwagwa went to the London School of Economics and Political Science, where she graduated cum laude with an MSC and holds a Ph.D. from the University College, London. More recently, Dr. Gwagwa completed her Master's in Philosophy from St. Augustine College in South Africa. I am Sarah Kumalo, and this is Because It's There.
1: Because It's There with Sara Kumalo is proudly sponsored by Vuma. Connection lies at the heart of everything Vuma does. It drives important conversations, brings communities together, and creates opportunities for greatness. Connecting Africa's women empowers them to be extraordinary. And we are here to do that. Visit vumatel.co.za for more.
0: Thank you so much for joining the platform and for agreeing to talk to us, Dr. Lulu Kwakwa. Simple question that I'll put to you is, life during the
1: pandemic has made me more. It has made me more aware, more aware of life um, as a blessing, but most importantly, more aware of my breathing, that actually breathing is a gift. And, and I've come to even sometimes just listen to my own breathing. and feel so blessed that I'm still able to breathe things that I've never really paid attention to.
0: And I think the gift of breathing is something that every mountaineer appreciates because the higher you go, uh, and if you're not well acclimatized, it's the breathing that starts giving in and forces you to go down immediately. And I think COVID has made us realize that this simple thing that we take for granted is so important. Life starts with a breath, it also ends with a breath. Let's get into your role. You are the first black town planner. Mm. And that is first black female town planner, which is very exciting. And I'm really, truly humbled and honored to have you on my podcast. But I'll go into your work. When planning a town, city, Even being part of a team that puts together this big jigsaw puzzle, which I would assume, there always has to be clear designation of roles. When did you first realize the importance of clear communication in planning projects?
1: The importance of communication and clear roles, it's something that I never really appreciated until I got into the field as a town planner. Because when I was studying, I was really focusing on my own uh, expertise, uh, perfecting my planning technical competency. And I thought that's what would really matter most when I'm out there in, in, in the field. And when I went on to uh, my first kind of substantial project, I was working then in the former Trans Sky, working with somebody called Nico Creek, who was the chief planner. We're working on this project I was involved in. It was the Wild Coast. You know where the Wild Coast Casino is? We we were part of the team that worked on the master plan for that. I was very junior at the time. And I thought when I was going in there, we had done, we would be focusing on technically how does the master plan actually uh, look like on the ground. To my kind of surprise, surprise, uh one of the of the skills that i really needed to bring to the fore is how to engage with the various stakeholders i had to deal with the chiefs i had to deal with the development committee of the area i had to deal obviously which is something i understood is to deal with the um, with the other built environment professionals in the team which is your engineers your architects your qs's but the more community side dealing with the municipality And all of that is something that I hadn't quite worked out in my mind. But I realized since then, and I've come to realize, actually, more than anything, it is about the ability to communicate, even your own solutions as a planner. If you are not able to do that, you you are as good as not knowing what you are doing. Because everything is about how do you bring everybody around? That ability to listen, taking away the jargon, for example and just speaking in plain language, appreciating that other people come in from different perspectives.
0: We sometimes cringe at what we could have done better in our past lives, but such are the learnings that come from going down memory lane. Just going back to that time when you picked up that, um, you know, the theory and what happened in academics is not necessarily, um, you know, won't work, won't give you the traction that you need in the field. Um, you know, through communication, some of the learnings. Was this like a quiet realization or was there something specific that actually happened to make you realize the value and importance of communication for the success of your projects?
1: It was actually a quiet realization, uh, sorry, because as I was sitting, and we were going to have this meeting, and then it's almost like, You drive in, you walk in and you kind of say, oh, my God, you know, so it was that realization that the the, in a sense, the things that I relied on um, for my own self-confidence. And my own sense of self-worth started to crumble at that point, because I realized that I'm not going to be relying on my big words that I had memorized, that I needed to actually come from a very different uh, angle. So the PowerPoint presentation wasn't going to work here. There was needed to be a stakeholder engagement rather than me presenting and everybody else listening.
0: I'm just giggling at the PowerPoint
1: presentation
0: and how we think it's going to solve everything and realize that there are people mm-hmm. beyond the PowerPoint in pretty slides. So in terms of your being in your life, nice. whether it's emotionally or spiritually, where were you, you know, and at that time uh,
1: for you to actually pick up that what I thought would work, what I was taught would work, is actually not going to work. As you're asking the question, I'm reflecting back. I was a 22, 23-year-old. I think I was most certainly both emotionally and spiritually very very naive. And I think that that's why I panicked. I mean, my mind went, went all over. My emotions went all over and I was sweating and I was my, the rug was pulled off my feet. Emotionally, I wasn't grounded at the time, most certainly as a professional planner. It was just like 12 months out of university. So I didn't have that confidence uh, in myself. And I suspect it probably did reflect
0: of course wouldn't be an episode of climbing the mountains of life if we don't ask about the shepherds in lulu's life essentially the guides in her life um there is um a term called shepherd, it's actually a group of people that help you climb a mountain go on a track they guide you they don't climb for you but they give you guidance on your journey to success. So your success is as good as theirs. Mm. Who has been the
1: most important shepherd on this journey with you? Without even thinking, my father, my late father who died maybe 40 odd years ago, most certainly was and still is a a very important shepherd for me. That's certainly my father. But certainly at different stages um, of my career, I have had a number of those because when I started working as a planner, as as I said earlier on, Nico Crick, very important one for me. Um, And it is quite interesting uh, when I reflect back, because here was an Afrikaner male. I mean, Nico Crick, that's very Afrikaner and that's very male. But um, somehow Nico had this ability to teach and to coach, to to kind of throw you in the deep end, but at the same time, be there for safety. I always tell people that, when I learned driving, my father taught me driving, and but I learned driving in an automatic car. And when I was working for Nico Creek, one of the days I needed, we needed to go to a, one of the small towns as town planners. And I was going to go with them and, and then something urgent came. He said, Lulu, you're going on your own. I said, Nico, I'm fine to go with me, but and um, the cars in the office were all manual. I didn't have a car myself. He said, well, you're gonna have to work it out. And he gave me the key of this blue Isuzu and he drove me out of town in Umtada, showed me what to do and said, the rest you're gonna have to work it out. I did have a license and guess what? I worked it out on the way. By the time I got to Kofimvab, which was two hours or two and a half hours later, I could actually drive. But it was all about just the confidence. By saying, you are going to work it out, I know that. I knew that if anything happened, he would be there to kind of support me. So Nico, if I talk about myself being a planner, that's the guy who gave me the initial skills and the initial confidence My first flight on an aeroplane, it was Nico Creek, from Omtata to Joburg. I think he heard that I had never flown, just decided or worked out that I was going to be the one who's representing our office in Joburg for the end of the year party. And I flew for the first time and stayed in a hotel because of Nico Creek. So Nico Creek remains this very important figure in my career. Uh, because of just how he provided somebody who actually isn't just a mentor and a coach, but somebody who's all, who also just looks out for you, and that was Nico Creek for me. And I'm mentioning him particularly within a South African context because he was male and Africaner. But on the other hand, and the issue of education being very important for my father, his girls were all going to be educated and and go out into, into the world. But there was also this part of values, which was very, very important to my father. My father used to say, if you are doing something and I appear and you run away, then you should know that you shouldn't be doing it anyway. So in a sense, he was saying... Listen to that inner voice because your inner voice will tell you whether this is right or wrong and don't do it. And so the issue of integrity has continued to be very important to me.
0: He sounds like an amazing, amazing African man. I think we appreciate a him through you um, because those values are still relevant today. And those lessons are, will be relevant even for the next generation.
1: Hi, I'm Leanne Williams, Head of Marketing at Vuma. Through Vuma's work of connecting communities, my colleagues and I engage with people from all walks of life and we know the daily issues that they face. We also understand the roles that connection and connectivity play in driving real change. Connection creates communities, connectivity creates opportunities for us to achieve greatness together. Visit voomatel.co.za. To find out how unlimited access to connectivity can change your world,
0: I, I want to go into your work as a leading
1: development planner.
0: Do you ever draw a distinction between
1: strategy and tactics? Almost definitely very, very big distinction. They're related. They're in the same family, but most definitely very different. Uh, for me, a strategy is like, again, I come back, I'm a planner as well, a strategy is like a long-term plan uh, of something that you want to achieve. So in a sense, it's also about answering your why. What am I trying to do and why am I doing that? As opposed to tactics. Tactics for me are more deliberate and concrete actions that are directed towards achieving that strategy that you would have worked on. So there are more of smaller steps, smaller actions uh, that are more immediate to then work towards that bigger plan, which is your strategy that you have. And on the other hand, tactics without a strategy is almost like an unguided missile because then it's like you, you, you can just almost from the sky and just drop a number of missiles and say I will see where they land and they could land in a hospital and kill a whole lot of people tactics without strategy can be quite dangerous that's the point I'm making so I see those two as related but certainly not the same you need a strategy and you need tactics
0: what is your take on creating a safe space for different opinions to thrive in order for a project to come together
1: interestingly enough for me having a clear strategy does really create a safe space because when there's a strategy and it's clear and answers the what we are seeking to do and why we are doing it then everybody who's working within that project kind of feel that the parameters are quite clear in terms of the space within which uh, we are operating but on the other hand though. It is also about giving people that opportunity to really stretch themselves and feeling that um, they could innovate without being judged. They could um, try different options within this broader strategy
0: comes to mind when one mentions the idea of a
1: feedback loop to you? The immediate thing that comes to mind for me is learning. Because a feedback loop is about what have we learned out of whatever that we had sought to do. So that's the first thing. The second one for me is about what has worked and what hasn't worked. Because a feedback loop is about bringing back to where we started to say, not just what worked most importantly what didn't work and why but also a feedback loop is about being open to listening without judgment in most instances we're very happy to get feedback on what worked but you don't really learn anything out of what has worked your real growth lies in what didn't work and why Because out of that, you can say, oh, okay, maybe next time, let's try this. We will try that. We will try that. But I'm also emphasizing this point of no judgment. Because if in that environment of getting that feedback of what didn't work, you start allocating, apportioning blame, then it means that next time that feedback loop you're not going to get. People will only tell you what worked and not what didn't work. So it's about an open learning system. It's about continual growth. It's about continual learning.
0: That is so powerful. I always say that I would be a different person if I got onto Everest and summited the first time. The level of learnings and maturity that I've been mm. with has all come from those challenges that have forced me to study, learn. And actually appreciate the feedback that I was getting, whether is I should change my training, um, I should look at what kind of shape I take with. And, and I completely agree with your assessment. And and I was looking online, and I found this beautiful article that you, you wrote about your five keys that you provided as part of your five secrets to having it all. And the one that I found most profound and I related to so much was nurturing your passion and find purpose. My question therefore is, have you found your purpose and what process did you follow to get to that point? where you found your why or your purpose. Interesting one, I
1: can't even remember writing that. (laughs) I mean, let me start with process. I actually did not have a deliberate process of finding my purpose. My purpose has kind of emerged as I've been going on with life. I suspect that it was probably there because when I look back, I can see the threads. But at the time, I didn't necessarily see or understand that as purpose. And this idea of creating space for others has become quite an important life purpose for me. The work I do now for young women is the one single thing that really gives me so much joy, so much fulfillment. But when I look back, I can see the threads of where I've almost been consistently doing that but not conscious that this is what I was doing. Uh, In most instances, creating opportunities and space for others actually doesn't cost anything. I can so relate to what you're talking about.
0: I always say when people say, women bring each other down, and I'm thinking what women, what world are you in? Because all I see is women (laughs) lifting each other up. You know, and and I'm hoping that as a generation, that's a legacy that we leave for other young ladies because the world needs more and more women leaders. Having said that, to our last question, and the last question is really a fun one for me, but one that requires deeper
1: thinking a bit,
0: because it says, "Can you describe your best failure
1: and how it propelled you forward?" So well, it's an interesting question that, uh, for me, I mean, because I've had so many of those <laughs> best failures and worst failures, so there are so many of them. Uh, they are into the hundreds and thousands. I think that one of those was when I was doing my master's in town planning. When I was doing my master's um, in, in town planning, I had come from Forte where I had done very well and did my BA in geography and English. And in my geography class, I was top of class. I had come from my youth understanding that I was fairly intelligent academically and I was, in a, I was achieving. And I came to the University of Natal when I was doing my master's and I just scraped through. So I didn't fail as in repeat class but according to my standards most certainly my father's standards too uh, my grades were not anything i was proud of and i think for me why that has become such an important one because out of that experience i came to realize the importance of self-belief because the single most important thing on reflection, just making it is because all of a sudden in that environment at the University of Natal, I lived through self-doubt. Self-doubt is what was just literally every day of my two years in that program. It was about self-doubt. I was the only female. I was the only black in that class. And all of a sudden, I saw myself as not being good enough, which is something I'd never before found myself in. And what that did is that it has become such an important one for me when I engage with young women in particular, because I know what self-doubt is and how that can ruin a whole range of other things for you. And so that's why I posit that, because when I went from, left University of Natal, I went to study at London School of Economics. And my second master's, I actually got a distinction and I got an award for being the best student. And that was at London School of Economics an international program and the single distinction between those two instances is that at lse for a whole host of reasons, i was there self-confidence was there i knew i could do it and i believed that i could do it and i did it at the university of natal it was all about self-doubt there was an imposter syndrome that i did not belong there and of course the results showed so that's why i'm saying it was the best failure because from there I actually understood the importance of, of self-belief and self-confidence. And that's what I emphasize in the work I do with young women today. I want to give you an opportunity to maybe tell
0: us and the listeners a little bit about the work that you do with young women. And uh, is this is there an opportunity for a young woman that may be listening to jump in and say, can I get the help? Or somebody that's out there that's got value to add to the work that you're doing. And any message that you have for them would
1: truly be appreciated. I work with young women aged 21 to 30 um, and specifically black women. And the program that I've put together, which I started Six years ago it's really about working on the inner self of young women because i'm saying a lot of these young women like i was is that they've got the intellectual competence They're intelligent, some of them have already um, qualified as accountants, as doctors, as town planners, and writers, and anthropologists, and working in NGOs and everything else. Then between them and the next opportunity is self-doubt. It's all of that turmoil that's going on inside them. So the program I've put together really focuses on that inner self. And i put together this program. I have a number of qualified coaches that work with these young women. So the program is a one-year program. We start in March and finish in February. So I put out a call for applications around October, November, and, and people apply for to be on the program, and I work with them for a whole year. So in terms of other people that might want to contribute, if you are a qualified coach, if you are a clinical psychologist, if you are a social worker, if you are a mental health worker, please raise your hand. And if you are somebody who really can speak to young women and and inspire them like you did with your climbing, which is something that the young women are still talking about. These are the kinds of women that I'm looking for to really anchor and support these young women. And the program is called Traversing Liminality.
0: Communication, humanity's Survival Toolkit, more so a marker that determines whether we have evolved or not, whether we are empaths or not. So has been the exploration with Dr. Lulu Gwagwa, a journey that has had us looking at managing the feedback loop, as well as the elements that have our calls and responses intact. And in the spirit of generosity, do sign in to Because It's their newsletter. It's my personal memo from me to you about ideas that come up in creating this series. Follow this series on all social media platforms as well. I am Sarah Kumano and that was an episode of Because It's There, a series about climbing the mountain of life, leadership and the strange and wonderful thing of being alive. Because it's there, produced by Kahiso Mnisi of Love Media and edited by Kahiso Shabam.
1: Because we can, we must. You have the opportunity to create the life you've always imagined when you have unlimited connectivity. Visit vumatel.co.za to check your coverage and get connected to an ISP.